This is the Buzz Adams Morning Show Podcast. Barstool Talk Daily. Except it's really early in the morning and no booze. For the most part. Uh, Well, it's interesting by itself, but also uh, this was it. The real life guy was one of the characters in the the season of Narcos, where Michael Pena played uh, DEA agent Kiki Camarena. Oh, uh huh. Drug lord Rafael Caro Quintero mm-hmm. uh, has been notified over the weekend that he is being processed to extradite him to the United States for his crimes, including the murder of DEA agent Kiki Camarena in 1985. And I think a lot of people. Uh, are aware that well, you know, people knew about this. this is a pretty major story, and uh, but in a recent season of Narcos, uh, <laughs> you got to know this this drug lord's yeah. character pretty well. Uh, judge based in Mexico City informed Caro Quintero, one in the United States, for the torture and killing of DEA agent Kiki Camarena. Uh, he's being held in a high high security prison you know what a high security prison in Mexico is right (laughs) only has one secret underground railroad running to it just the one just the one yeah (laughs) that's the high security Caro Quintero was one of the FBI's most wanted fugitives since he was released from a Mexican jail in 2013 on a technicality he had been in prison nearly three decades uh, for that murder and also for the murder of a Mexican uh, pilot. And uh, I guess the United States has said, you know what, we're going to take a crack at this. We're we're going to extradite this guy. And he's, you know, it's a little more difficult mm-hmm. to get out of an American prison, I guess. Uh, so that all developed over the weekend. And now it's time for... check and source all of the facts here so if anybody doubts what i'm saying i've got i've got references for you here we go random fact number one is a texas fact random fact number one the houston metropolitan area is 9444 square miles which is bigger than the entire state of new jersey I guess they're probably counting Texas City and mm-hmm. Katy and you know, everything that kind of. Mm-hmm. Random fact number two is kind of a downer. I'm going to let you know ahead of time. Okay. Or maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that more men commit suicide than women? And that is a fact that is true for every single country in the world. There's no oh. there's no country in the world where women are commit suicide at a rate higher than men. No, I did not know that. I, every that's pretty weird. single yeah. country that it's a true statement to say that more men commit suicide than women. It doesn't matter which country you're talking about. And finally, random fact number three. National Geographic published a picture of its first nude African woman in 1896. What do you imagine the reaction was in 1896 to there being a picture of a of a, a topless woman? Hair on fire. 
1896, it led to a huge surge in subscribers. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. Of course. I thought you were going to say riot. Well, I don't know if it did that, but definitely subscription went up. (laughs) Because, I mean, really, where else were you going to (laughs) see? Where where were you going to see? Boobs, huh? For a lot of uh, young people, uh, well, people who were younger in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 50s, that their first glimpse of the female bosom was probably in a either a National Geographic, maybe, a, I don't know, did they show like yeah. anything like that in textbooks back then? Uh, more than, longer than that? No, probably not. If anything, it would have had to have been painted or it would have been... Biggest day of the year for me was when the Montgomery Wards catalog would come in the mail, because especially the the underwire brassiere section. That was Interesting. As, that was as close That's to cranking material. Crazy. That well, that was all I had, Joanna. I think so. Man, I'd see that thing come in the mail, and it's like the first time. My parents go out for the night. I'm going through that with a fine tooth comb. <laughs> the Montgomery Wards catalog. The whole night? A lot of stamina when I was that age. <laughs> Don't underestimate a young man's well. <laughs> commitment to the things that matter to him. <laughs> this is the Buzz Adams Morning Show. Don't go anywhere. There's a uh, proposal that's going to find its way in front of city council today uh, to make roads and uh, sidewalks safer for pedestrians in El Paso. So we're going to talk to uh, Scott White from the Pedestrian and Cyclist Coalition about well, you know what this proposal is all about. To get some kind of idea what it might cost. And we're also going to get to Joanna's entertainment report coming up in just a few minutes. Possibly coming to a KFC near you soon. KFC is testing new chicken nuggets that apparently are made to taste more like their original recipe fried chicken. So excited. Therefore, millennials and Gen Zers... (laughs) Who loved the taste of the KFC original, mm-hmm. but cannot eat chicken off the bone? Yeah, we like chicken nuggies. Is that a? Is that? What's the problem with eating it off the bone? I actually don't know. <laughs> okay, you, you're fine with it, right? Yeah, I am. Uh, the why behind this is an interesting part. KFC is testing new chicken nuggets at a few locations uh, around Charlotte, North Carolina, and if people like them, they'll be available nationwide soon. They would replace the popcorn chicken that they've been selling off and on for 30 years. So if you're... If you are a fan of the KFC popcorn chicken, I guess it's time to panic. (laughs) KFC's head chef. Yes, there's a head chef for all KFCs. 
Amazing. He should be required to dress like Colonel Sanders. Even <laughs> right? even if he doesn't look like Colonel Sanders, that Keep should be a requirement. Keep up the illusion, yeah. dude. So KFC's head chef talked about the new nuggets and said that they are a direct response to millennials and Gen Zers who refuse to eat chicken off the bone. Apparently, young some young people will just not eat bone-in chicken. Uh, why do you think that is? I don't know, but I do know some people. Now that I think of it, I do know people who will not eat the chicken off the bone. Like, if we have wings... They'll be like, that's too much work. I'm not eating that. Right. They don't want to eat the chicken wings. Or, have you ever seen the people who eat the chicken wings, but they leave half of the on chicken the, meat like a on lot the of bone? Meat on right. it. Yeah. Um, maybe it reminds some people that you're eating, you know, what was once a living animal. Oh, probably, right. Like, oh, there's the bone. Or maybe they just miss the, you know, the dino-shaped nuggets they have. Well, who knows what's They're going great on. great in the air fryer. The new nuggets are supposed to taste more like KFC's original recipe fried chicken and less like chicken tenders. KFC says they're also moving toward more on-the-go options in general. The type of thing you can eat with one hand while still using your phone with the other. Hmm. There's, there's a right. side they quit offering. The mac and what? cheese. Oh, what? No more yeah. mac and cheese? Well, there's one of them because I know, like I've asked, not for me, but for my daughter. So I'm a coleslaw mashed potatoes and gravy guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the standard yeah. KFC uh-huh. to-go meal. Uh, and my daughter used to get, oh, uh, they still have corn. And their French fries, I'm telling you, are great. I'm going to have to try those French fries. <laughs> the KFC French fries, I think they cook them maybe in the same grease that they cook the chicken in. But they're really, really good. All right. Uh, so anyway. Yeah, I've never gotten the aversion to eating any kind of chicken that's still got have you ever known people who won't, won't eat a piece of meat, like a steak, if it has any kind of bone in it? No. Like a T-bone is just, like, there's something gross about that. Oh, no, I, I've never known anyone like that. Have you ever known anybody who won't eat, like, a really fatty piece? But not, not a bad steak, but, like, ribeye, you know, has got what they call marbling. With all oh, of that. uh-huh. Have you ever known any yeah. people who, who won't go near one of that? Yep. They don't know what they're missing, do they? No, they don't. Time for entertainment news. Let's get to our Hollywood report with Joanna Barba this morning. Good morning, Joanna. Oh, good morning. Rob Zombie's Monsters movie is heading straight to Netflix, which is also the home of Tim Burton's upcoming Adams Family series called Wednesday, which is interesting because the original Monsters and Adams Family ran against each other on network TV from 1964 to 1966. That had to be a weird time, like when two of, and this was back when you only had three networks, yeah. a limited number of shows, and it's like two of them are comedies uh-huh. about monsters. Well, Rob posted some pictures from an old TV guide that previewed the 1964-65 season and said, quote, This fall, we're going to spook out like it's 1964. The Munsters and the Addams Family are returning to the boob tube at the same time, courtesy of Netflix. It's been 58 years since Clash of the Titans first happened. Perfect entertainment for your pumpkin carving party. Which one was the original again? 
I think Adam's, Adam's family. family. Adam's family was based on some up. New Yorker right. cartoons that had been running for like twenty years before the before that. Mm-hmm. And then I think the, the monsters, monsters kind of cashed in. But there is no release date for either one of them yet. Do you have a preference? Nah. Just based on the TV series, not on any of the movies. The monsters, probably. Yeah. That's what was shown most on Nick at Night. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Ever since making the second highest grossest movie of all time, Joe and Anthony Russo have been able to do pretty much whatever they want. And so they have. They followed Avengers Endgame up with a crime drama. And then they followed that with the insanely expensive thriller, The Gray Man. Both were made for streamers. And while they'd prefer if people see their films on the big screen, they also have some big, albeit dubious words for movie theaters. In a new interview with The Hollywood Reporter, in which they also slam MCU haters as juvenile, the Russos discuss how they think the industry should move away from, as Anthony put it, the old models and reach audiences that haven't been engaged before. They even think studios should embrace streaming even more than they do and treat the movie-going experience as more of a luxury. Joe Rizzo said, quote, A thing to remember, too, it's an elitist notion to be able to go to a theater. It's very effing expensive. So this idea that was created, that we hang on to, that theater is a sacred space, is BS. And it rejects the idea of allowing everyone in under the tent where digital distribution is available other than what I said earlier about it, how it pushed diversity, is that people can share accounts. They can get 40 stories for the cost of one story. Yeah, but if all 40 of them... Aren't a sock, <laughs> right? And what kind of quality are we getting here? It I really, I feel like I can't fully judge a movie unless I've seen it on the big screen. Sometimes you need you know, to see it on the big yeah, screen. I feel like it should be noted that the very service that forked over two hundred million dollars for the Russos' latest is currently losing subscribers and therefore money. Meanwhile, audiences have started going back to theaters in the kind of numbers seen pre-pandemic. Also, while movie going is more expensive than ever, it remains, as it's been for about a century, one of the cheapest forms of public entertainment out there. There's a an under-talked about aspect of theater going and in the that? summer. AC. The AC. Mm-hmm. I think oh, a lot so of people nice, make right? a decision to go to the theater because there's going to be AC. Right. And theaters have gotten a lot of upgrades. You have recliners now. Oh, yeah. Uh, some, if you're a little too cold in there, the seats will warm up for you without you knowing you push the button. It's never too cold in there. <laughs> They've got heated. Which ones have heated seats? I didn't know that. I recently went. Maybe to... I accidentally engaged the heated seat because. The theaters don't seem as cold as they used to be. <laughs> it seems like they're not running the AC as, as cool okay as they used to. Yeah, could, could you put it down like another five degrees, please? <laughs> Jason Siegel could make his MCE. MCU debut as The Thing. According to Disney and Marvel scoopers, the Dis Insider show, the Phase 4 show will feature Jason Siegel as the Fantastic Four's Ben Grimm. Co-host Derek Cornell said, I tweeted two weeks ago about a certain scoop regarding Fantastic Four, but it's not just Fantastic Four. This is actually for She-Hulk. And we're hearing The Thing will appear in She-Hulk, and that man is Marshall Erickson himself, Jason Siegel. Cornell stated that there were, the room, they were Who, who's Marshall Erickson. That was his name oh in uh, How I Met Your Mother. Oh, it's Marshall. 
Marsha. <laughs> Cornell stated that they were unsure if Siegel's version would be the 616 universe version of the character or if it's a multiversal character, kind of like how John Krasinski was. 616 is the main Marvel universe, oh, just really? so you know. Yeah. <laughs> Nerds. All right. <clears throat> Regarding the Fantastic Four movie itself, co-host Skylar Schuler said that the D23 Expo will be the place to get the news regarding an official cast list and that the movie is pushing for 2024. That seems kind of random. Jason Siegel. As the thing. I could see Seth Rogen doing it with an good Jason Siegel. <laughs> I mean, just in, in the Apatow stable. I see what you're saying. Danny McBride, even. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, I guess this is your spoiler alert. Brett Goldstein opened up about his entrance in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The actor made his franchise debut at the conclusion of Thor Love and Thunder in a post credits scene featuring Zeus fretting over his defeat at the hands of Thor. The god sends his son, Goldstein's Hercules, to enact vengeance on his behalf. Ooh, that, that is a pretty big spoiler. Yeah. Viewers, well, that's two weeks, right? It's been a, a while already. Viewers are treated to a brief glimpse of a buff, hairy-chested Goldstein who simply replies to Zeus, Yes, Father. Goldstein joins a growing list of A-listers who have made their Marvel Cinematic Universe debut in recent post-credit scenes, like Charlize Theron, who popped in in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, and Harry Styles as the big surprise in Eternals. On the carpet, Goldstein told Variety's Mark Melkin about... Star Fox. No, Star Fox. Oh. Star Fox. Thank you. Nico looked very confused. Oh, my bad. On the carpet, Goldstein told Variety's Mark Melkin about sending his parents to see Thor without informing them of his cameo in the film. The two were surprised to see their son in the blockbuster, though there was a stretch of time where Goldstein was worried that his mother would miss his brief appearance. Goldstein said that he didn't tell his parents he was in it, but, quote, my mom was texting me all the way through the film, giving me a running commentary. I'm like, just watch the film. It gets to the end bid where it shows Russell Crowe and my mom texts. Russell Crowe's in it again. He's very funny. And I go, effing look up at the screen. <laughs> As for his future in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Goldstein is adamant that he has no idea what's in store for his Hercules. With your entertainment news, I'm Joanna Barba. The Buzz Adams Morning Show. Over at KLAQ.com, I've got an article about uh, an issue that's going to be in front of city council today uh, regarding the safety for pedestrians mostly, but also cyclists of El Paso streets. And how safe are the streets of El Paso for pedestrians? Well, according to El Paso Complete Streets Coalition, we're in the t we're in the twenty worst major uh, metro areas regarding president, uh, pedestrian safety, rather. And from the Pedestrian Cyclist uh, Coalition, here's Scott White, who joins us today. Scott, did you ride a bicycle here, Scott? I rode my bike in this morning. And you're going to take your bike, and when you're done here, you're going to ride it down to city council, right? That is the plan. Okay. Uh, 
Do you know about this uh, study by Smart Growth America that says El Paso is in the top 20 worst major cities for uh, pedestrians and cyclists? Sure do. Okay. What's our problem? What's going on here? We just don't have enough dedicated lanes, which are only for cyclists. I don't even know if we have any, you know. We have a little bit of space for bicyclists. How is it downtown? Because I don't ride downtown. Uh, downtown, there's not a whole lot yeah. of bike infrastructure. They're planning to put stuff in, but they've been planning to do that for uh, quite a while, and they've been pushing those projects back and back for whatever reason. Um, it, it's hard to know the rationale, but when we talk about this kind of stuff, it, we've been building our streets and our roads for cars for Several decades. Probably a lot of American cities, I bet, have. Oh, absolutely. A lot of cities have. And I bet there are a lot of countries, uh, especially Scandinavian European countries, that that have been doing a lot better job than, than the U.S. has. They have. And part of their reasoning is uh, safety. And they believe in an approach to safety called Vision Zero, which really focuses on uh, the goal of getting to zero traffic fatalities of any type. So this past weekend, we clearly failed that. Yeah. What happened this past weekend? Well, we had uh, the two crashes on the east side. We had uh, a pedestrian hit by a train. Uh, We had, um, there were four deaths, I believe, this weekend. There was uh, another serious crash yesterday. I haven't heard about the result of that. Are there some American cities that have done a pretty good job toward emulating kind of the the northern european model yeah there there are a lot of cities that are actually uh, doing this they've adopted the goal of uh, reaching vision zero and um austin right here in texas car capital of the world essentially is saying yes a lot of people need to drive but we also need to make it safe for people to walk and bike and take transit as well uh, City Council will consider some of the proposals that would seek to increase uh, walkability, which is not a word I'd ever used before, but walkability is something uh, people talk about when it comes to this issue. The mm-hmm. ability to get around, either downtown or even in your own neighborhood, yep. uh, without having to risk life and limb, and making it uh, safer for pedestrians, for joggers, for anybody who's not in a car trying to get around. What Will they vote on this today, or are they just going to hear arguments? Uh, this is the, this is the vote. Uh, they they heard uh, the first reading uh, a couple weeks ago, so by policy now they're considering the adapt adopting the whole document. And so, if the plan goes through, we're going to start seeing changes to how our streets are designed, and. When they're rebuilt, they're not going to be rebuilt quite the same way. We're going to have features that are called bulb outs. We're going to have mid-block crossings. Tell me what those terms okay. are. I want to know what those sure. are. A bulb out is when you get to the intersection, normally you have to cross the full length of the roadway. With a bulb out, it's going to extend the curb out into the intersection. So if you are a pedestrian, if you're a parent with a stroller, you don't have to cross as much street. You've got uh, it extends the sidewalk, the curb out into that street space. You have a shorter crossing, and a lot of people have seen them, but may not have recognized maybe, them for maybe, what they are. Right, I think maybe I've seen them. What do you think about the roundabouts? Roundabouts are hit and miss. 
because a lot of people don't really understand the way to drive and even ride through them. Yeah. You know, when you get there, it's like, well, it's kind of distributing the traffic. Maybe I have a, a, a second or two more to get across if I need to. Am I supposed to go mm-hmm. all the way around the roundabout or do I get, some of them have a middle cut through? Well, I don't and know it's, if I know what the rules are. And it's are. how they're designed because not all roundabouts are actually roundabouts. You have smaller ones in neighborhood streets that are really just for traffic calming purposes to force you to slow down a little bit. But it's a great replacement for a stop sign Mm -hmm. because you don't have to come to a full stop. You can just kind of make a nice, easy flow through there. And when you're walking, riding, you don't like to stop and wait for traffic. You just want to keep going just like the traffic keep your heart rate up. Yep. I mean, one thing in traffic, you don't like to stop, but you're also not exercising. When you're out walking, you know, you want to keep that heart rate above a certain level. You, you want to keep moving. And if you're walking for transportation and you've got your groceries, you've got a backpack with your school needs, you're headed to work, you just want to get there, especially when it's as hot as it is these days. Yes. Uh so this wouldn't have anything to do, even if this was fully accepted, the whole the whole Megilla, they wouldn't start taking parts taking apart roads. They would just apply it to roads that are gonna be repaired or refinished in the future. Yeah, they're either it's uh, most likely gonna apply specifically to new roads, to uh when they rebuild roads, but if there is a high traffic fatality intersection of high fat traffic fatality street they may target that as well down by cincinnati was a was a great example of this and i think they've taken some measures but i don't know if they're they're adequate well the textot is put in in those pedestrian barriers to keep people on the street they've reduced some of the curb cuts so that helps with the safety but one of the biggest things you can really do for safety is just bring the speed down to what is appropriate for that location the speed the for the for the vehicle traffic vehicles well yeah that's great uh as long as everybody's paying attention to the speed limit and paying attention to what's on the road i mean how big a problem is it that people have their their heads down their faces and they're looking at their phones all the time and that's part of this as well because you're redesigning the streets to make it feel less comfortable you if people are comfortable enough, they will be doing other things besides paying attention when they're driving. So if you, instead of having a flat, uh, straight road, you can put in what uh, what is a chicane, which forces you to uh, shift direction just a little bit. So you have to pay attention. You have to slow down to address these things. I I'm, I would not underestimate El Pasoan's commitment to not paying attention <laughs> while driving, if well, that makes any sense to you. The... F- it's sort of like speed bumps, even though those aren't part of this equation. The first time you hit one, unless you got a good suspension, that yeah. sticks in your mind. You you think I have to slow down here. You get it afterwards, but but in this case, the whole street is designed in such a way that it really forces you to pay more attention because it's not a very simple design. It's making bringing some complexity into the design. So that you may have uh, back-end parking, which forces you to look at things a little bit different. You may have those mid-block crossings where there will be a bulb out in a crosswalk in a longer street. All these things change the uh, context of the street. And maybe not the first time, but that second time, 
you're going to look at things differently. I'm a big fan of, and this seems like it's kind of an extreme way of doing things, but those elevated crosswalks where you walk over the traffic, they got them in Vegas, but they mm-hmm. also have them in other cities. They used to have them in Tulsa when I lived there. And those, you know you're not going to hit hit by a car because you're walking above the cars. Are those just too expensive for El Paso to consider? One, they're expensive. Two, most people do not use them and do not oh, because like they don't them. want to go up the steps. Well, in many cases, the steps or even the ramp is too steep, and that can make them uh, non-ADA compliant because you, ha- you have to make them accessible these days. Everything needs to be accessible because uh, people who walk... Um, People who use wheelchairs, elderly folks cart- who just don't get around as well. Yep. Uh, even children have difficulties with these things, and it's kind of a line of sight thing. Just as we think, when you're driving, I just want to go there. When you're walking, you're thinking, I want to go there. Why should I go out of my way to go up and over this thing that may be or maybe not convenient? And in a lot of cases. They really work well. Also, it wouldn't help you if you were on a bike. <laughs> it wouldn't help as much if you were on a bike. Yeah. No. But I've seen in other instances where what they've done is they elevate things a little bit, but it's called a raised crosswalk. So it just raises you up, the crosswalk up to the curb level, and that actually makes you more visible, more visible and creates taller. greater uh, greater sense of priority for the vulnerable road user using that crosswalk. And they're talking about, um, as part of the I-10 project, downtown putting in even raised intersections, which is basically like a big tabletop in the middle of that intersection that says people here have priority. Uh, we're talking to Scott White, and maybe I mingled the group here with the uh, Coalition of Pedestrians and Cyclists. Do, well, am, okay. I, am I making that up? I don't know where I'm getting that from. Okay, you, you've mixed up the names. Yeah. Uh, we've got the Complete Streets Coalition, yeah. which is uh, a group from all across the city and across the state even that's worked to put this all together. And then I'm from... Uh, two groups. I'm with uh, Velo Paso Bicycle Pedestrian Coalition. I, I work as a volunteer, but I also am with Farm and City, which is a statewide uh, advocacy group that works on transportation reform. A few years ago, they put in some, some bike lanes. The problem is the bike lanes were just the traffic lanes, you know, that mm-hmm. had maybe something painted on the pavement, but then once again, you had to count on all the motorists being aware that you have a basically what it's saying is a bicyclist has a right to be in this lane and mm-hmm. you can't just nudge them off the street if you're going to pass them you better make sure you treat it like you're passing a vehicle right yeah and i think that that is a thing that people some people just fundamentally have a problem understanding mm-hmm. if i'm in a car and you're in a bike i take precedence is how i think a lot of these people think think of it yeah they think the bigger the vehicle the the greater the or part. i'm going to pass you but i'm I'm not really going to go into the other lane. I'm yep. just going to kind of just take up most of the... over. Right. Just enough to get past you. And if you're wondering, uh, we said that El Paso doesn't rank uh, very good. 18th worst, according to the most mm-hmm. recent study by Smart Growth America. And that is actually two two spots worse than we were in 2021, yes, the last sir. time they did this. Oh, we're getting worse. Well, uh I, I think we're probably kind of staying the same. Maybe other cities are making it 
progress and we're not is what it sounds like some cities are making progress um for us based on when these numbers were taken we've actually gotten worse and that that i'm hoping is part of what is driving the city to do this and hopefully council is going to recognize this need to make our streets safer for everyone do you have any idea what kind of support this has in council um I am not sure myself. I know some other people have counted heads, and we think it, there's a very good chance this is going to pass. But at the same time, who knows? Because sometimes you think you've counted the heads right, and somebody suddenly set, gets a call from the right person, and they switch their vote. Switch their vote to go your way or to go the other way? You never know. Who would be against making streets safer? Like, who are there? Are there special interests that don't want to see safer roads for pedestrians and cyclists well i know and it's not just about pedestrians and cyclists it's really about everyone on the road including drivers um but there are there are some folks out there who think roads are just for cars and you you know the curmudgeons out there that's a that's a perception i mean that's just a perception people have if you don't want to get hit don't you know get a car (laughs) is what they think yeah and what they don't realize is, you know, you're, you were talking about uh, being passed. The city's passed a safe passing ordinance, which means that if you're a driver, you have to get over and pass just like this I have never witnessed a motorist getting a ticket or getting pulled over or a citation or anything, but I see them do it all the time. Yeah. That, it doesn't seem like they enforce that. It doesn't seem to get enforced very well. In fact, I'm not sure people even realize that's still in, in effect. And but also under city ordinance and uh, state ordinance, bikes are considered vehicles, and so you like get the same responsi- rights and responsibilities. And if you want to ride in the lane because that's the only option you have, you it's you're actually allowed to. Now, is that always a good choice when you're on some of these higher speed roadways? Uh, probably not. I once saw at the intersection of Shadow Mountain and Mesa, you know, right up here. Uh, somebody on a on a bike, which you know, fine, and they're, they're at the left turn lane. And when I see them go around, they've got like the little attachment where they've got a kid in the back of mm-hmm. the thing. And I'm just thinking, look, I know what you're right, and I know we all need to be on the lookout. But is that the smartest thing to be doing, riding a bike with a kid on Shadow Mountain onto Mesa? Well, what what would you tell somebody who's doing that? Would you say, hey, you know, we're just not safe enough to do that at this point? I'm going to say it depends because time of day, amount of traffic, what you're comfortable with, what your skill level is. And there's also what's known as vehicular cycling, where you ride as though you're a car. So just by getting over in that turn lane without having to stick your arm out, you've already told other people other uh, that you want to make a left turn. And Oh, you might have told people, but... Well, <laughs> the, you know... There are there are people who, when they get in a car, they become uh, sociopaths, and or they zone out. I think that's another yeah. thing. I think there's some people that that just I, hey, look, it's my route every day. I just kind of go into almost like a self hypnosis mm-hmm. thing, and I think that is dangerous. Could lead to accidents. Well, and it's also we also know, and and TechStot has done the, these commercials for the motorcyclists uh, as well, where 
people are not looking for anything less than something the size of a car when they're out there. So a person walking, person riding a bike, person on a motorcycle. May not register. It doesn't register. I've had somebody where I'm going down the street, they're at a stop at the intersection, and I watched their head track me. I could see they saw me, <laughs> but then they start to pull out. They saw me, but it didn't register because I wasn't a car or bigger. What What's going to happen when they start asking questions about the price tag on something like this? Well, the retort could be, what's the price tag of a lot human life? Right. Right. Um, but it's Let's also, figure that out. Yeah, but it's also our overall quality of life. And when we talk about bringing businesses here... Um, quality of life issues are walkability, just that ease of being able to walk around your, uh, your neighborhood, uh, being able to walk to the bus if you want, being able to ride your bike where it's safe and it's comfortable. All these kind of things factor in to the quality of life. And when we're talking about some of these bigger businesses that have some can bring some bigger dollar jobs to El Paso, that's part of their price tag for what they're looking for. Right. Livability. Walkability. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scott White, when you talk to, uh, are you going to speak uh, at city council today and what are you going to tell them? Well, I'm just going to remind them that, you know, it's not a coincidence that just a few days ago we learned our city is, according to the uh, Smart Growth America Dangerous by Design report, we're the 18th worst in the nation. We're also the first, we're also the worst in Texas for metro regions for that pedestrian safety if you crunch the numbers and look at the rankings. So we need to do better. And if we want to be the city that's going to bring in some of those big-name companies, we we need to create that kind of lifestyle, that walkability, that livability that's going to be attractive to future professionals. We've had some uh, HQs for some big-name companies come here and not many of them, some have stayed, but not all of them. And it's what they're looking for. If we want to do that, we need to, we need to fix this. But also, a lot of times, they'll, people will focus on um, things like time delay on your commute. And what God that forbid we us. should make your commute another 15 seconds longer, right? Mm-hmm. But one of the things most people don't do the math on is the cost of crashes. And they are actually far more, not just in the immediate costs, but the extended costs, loss of future wages, damages, all that kind of thing. They total up to be much more expensive than those few seconds of delay. So if we, if we want to really make this community more economically viable, we need, to, we need to look at all the options on the table there and figure out what it is we want for the future of this city. Well... You know, since you're on your way down there, and I'm not going to get to make it, just a few other random thoughts that I'm having. Okay. Sometimes there's a sidewalk, and I'll ride my bike on the sidewalk because I'm not going to risk my life and limb out Mm -hmm. there on the road. But then you'll be riding your bike or walking. I see people walking. All of a sudden, there's a big utility pole right in the middle of the sidewalk. Yep. that That forces you to get off the sidewalk. Sometimes the sidewalk just ends. You get mm-hmm. to the end of the sidewalk, and then you've got to decide, well, either I turn around and go back the way I came, or I make my peace with my maker and take my chances out there on Country Club Road. Yeah, and, and those are big issues, not just for the average person. 
how about the person who has trouble walking in the first place? Right. Who's um, in a mobility cart, a wheelchair, uh, visually handicapped, um, young, old, uh, just has some kind of infirmity. That really puts them at hardship because for them, then they either have to turn around and go back to the nearest curb cut so they can step down into the street or roll into the street. But it's also just the fact that we're not giving everybody safe, equitable access. We, we've got some people joke and call cars four-wheeled uh, wheelchairs. And I, I don't think that's a valid joke, but... We make sure they can get through. Why can't we do the same for everybody else? All right. Uh, City Council will be considering uh, the Complete Streets proposal. Uh, Scott White is going to be there. So uh, good luck today. All right. Good luck getting there. Everybody watch out for Scott. (laughs) He's got got like a canvas cap with an orange stripe on it. You ought to be able to see him. And I got a nice big red flashy light on the back of big, my bike. Big flashy so. light. So you, you don't have an excuse. All I'm right. Listening. Thanks, Scott, for dropping by today. Great to see Alrighty. you. All right. Let's Thanks, take Buzz. a break. We'll come back and we've got more of the Buzz Adams Morning Show on the way. And the UK just hit an all time record. The hottest day in the UK was yesterday at 106. And that's not metrics or anything. It's like 106 Fahrenheit. So uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. We've got more of the Buzz Adams Morning Show on the way right after this. It looks like everyone has agreed on one important point. Joy and I didn't ask you, but uh, what's kind of like the pedestrian situation in your neighborhood are people able to uh, walk around your neighborhood without having to worry about cars oh looks like joanna's on the phone we might we might be getting a few phone calls here all right let me make sure i give out that number if you want to call us in the studio it's 915-910-4995 nine 1-5-9-1-0-4-9-9-5. Hey, buddy. Hey. How was your, uh, how was, uh, your neighborhood growing up for pedestrian traffic? Uh, great. I mean... You got parks nearby and stuff, right? One real small park. Um, I grew up next to kind of a busy street. Trowbridge is a pretty big, yeah. busy street, but all the streets in between were... We're safe. There were a lot of alleyways between my, or the houses, the neighborhood I was in. So growing up, me and my friends would play hide-and-seek through the alleys and stuff. Uh, let's get a call or two. And uh, this is going to be Mario who's calling in on the live line. Hello, Mario. Hello, Buzz. Hey, what's happening? Pretty good. How you doing? I'm good, thanks. Listen, I just wanted to tell you, I'm a, I am walk a lot, uh, and I walk to work, and I walk around the neighborhood. I've almost been run over five times on a crosswalk. Yeah. Where you, oh I, I, I'm assuming you had the right-of-way, right, Mario? Yes. Yeah, of Yes, course. with the pedestrian light on. What do you wish, uh, what could they change that would make it better in your mind? Well, first of all, uh more motorist awareness. Second, like for instance, I live in central El Paso 
And on Trowbridge and Montana, they don't even have pedestrian crosswalks there. Yeah. You know, and I've told my representative, you know, hey, you know, you've got to put pedestrian crosswalks, you know, here, especially right there on Trowbridge and Montana. It's a large street to cross. Any response from your rep? Oh, yeah, they're working on it. Uh, Yeah, except that they've got other priorities and all this stuff. Well, you're, you're talking it's already about, been three years. <laughs> Mario, you're talking about Trowbridge in Montana where the Whataburger is? Yes. Oh, yeah, that is a busy street. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it really is key, uh, you know, motorist awareness, but come on. Let's be honest. You you look at the car next to you. The person's probably looking down at their phone. I mean, everybody is so distracted, way more so than they were 20 years ago because of... Uh, well, because of the phones and stuff. You know, the only reason I haven't been hit by a car is because I'm aware of how bad the drivers are. Yeah. Okay? You got to keep that in mind. Like, I see some people out there, it's like, look, it's your right to ride a, uh, a bicycle or to walk, but you can't go under the assumption that these people are going to be looking out for you because there's a good exactly. chance they're not. Yeah. They're not going to stop. I mean, and it's unbelievable because, you know, I've got the pedestrian sign and everything, you know, it's a, for me to go and cross. And these people, oh, yeah. twice like that. Get and your head up out of your lap. Look look through the windshield. Keep your eyes going and concentrate on what you're doing. You know what else has to be? Is the police department has to set up a special, uh, I don't know, a watch or whatever for people running stop signs because... They, it's a constant here now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Anywhere you go, they run stop signs. I've got stop so signs in my neighborhood I don't think anybody ever fully stops at. You know what I mean? They just kind of roll on through them all the time. Yeah, they don't stop at all. Yeah. Some of them don't stop at all. They just go. It doesn't matter. All right. Mario, appreciate the so, call. All right. Thank you very much. All right. Much. Thanks Bye-bye. for talking to us. Well, uh, city council's going to have some proposals uh, to consider today. Yeah, and the issue of uh, bike lanes, uh, I have to say, unfortunately, the planning, you know, Paso, from the beginning, years and years and years ago, was for bicycles. I've lived in a country where the traffic is has donkey carts, donkeys, and the traffic is coming at you. And uh, I never feared for my life uh, because people uh, really respected the pedestrians. Uh, El Paso, I I hate to say this, but I don't think it's ever going to become a city for safe bicycle riding, uh, as, as we're learning right now. And what happened to to the system of trains? I, I would really love to see that. The east, west, south, north, it would be the perfect place to have a train system. Whatever happened to that? Uh, all right, guys. Thank you. Well, I would say the closest thing we've had is the trolley, and that's more of a novelty 
than anything else. No, it's, that's not even a train system. I, I that's mean, just that's, more of like a, an amusement park ride than anything else. Well, I would, you get, I, it, the only reason you get on the trolley is because you want to ride on the trolley. You, you don't really that, that's not tr- That's not true because I was just there for a show. There were a ton of people using it, okay? So let's not disparage the trolley that's here in town that people might actually use for their daily commute to things. Now, what the guy was talking about was an actual tr- a train that would go from east, far east El Paso to far west El Paso. Oh, okay, well, that's that's not what the trolley does. That, that's why he wasn't talking about the trolley. <laughs> okay, simmer down. But, I mean, like, he makes sense. Well, why are you so down on the trolley? Because it seems more like a novelty. It's not really a thing that's going to be a viable uh, work transportation for people. Have you ever ridden it? No. So you haven't even seen. No, people. but I. So I you see didn't the even tracks. I know where it goes. Yeah, I know how you often see it who, runs. Do you see who rides it? No. Well, then you don't know if people are using it or not, do you? Um, I know they. It was supposed to uh, be self-sufficient within something like five years, and I don't think they've ever been able to charge money for it. Like yeah, nobody wants to ride it enough to pay for it. I don't know, but. I think it's good that we have the option, at least, for some people. If we're going to have a train system in El Paso, I say we go full in, you put it on an elevated track, and now do you know what we're talking about? Monorail! Monorail. That's right, monorail! 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 I hear those things are awfully loud. It glides as softly as a... Wait, wait, when? 2028 Summer Games. Oh, 28. Yeah, the 2028 Summer Games in Los Angeles. I I was like, is there any way that I could have not seen the news that this is an Olympic year? Is it the Olympics this year? No, so there's going to be one in two years. That's a winter Olympic year, though. Oh yeah, is it? Wouldn't that have already? Wouldn't that have already happened? Did we have the Winter Olympics earlier this year? I got to tell you, ever since the pandemic hit, I don't even know what year it is. Yeah. Everything's topsy turvy. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. Well, They're having the World Cup in the fall this year, though, the soccer. Uh-oh. Another thing I didn't know: the Olympics will kick <laughs> yes, off. Yes, you did. We were talking about it the other day because they're having it in Qatar. And oh, it's that's too, right. It's, it's too, too, hot. too hot. Freaking to hot summer. to have the World Cup. It starts in November. Wasn't it true that the workers were dying, like, building it? Like, people were just dying falling off the the thing because it was so hot where they were building yeah, it. I, I yeah, I feel that. like that's true. I'm, I'm pretty Let's sure. just say it is. <laughs> <laughs> the Olympics will kick off with a dual opening ceremony at the Coliseum and SoFi Stadium. Los Angeles first hosted the Summer Olympics in 1932 and then again in 1984. The Paralympics will start on August 15th, 2028. And police identified and applauded the 22-year-old who shot and killed a gunman who opened fire on on a Greenwood, Indiana shopping mall. The gunman who killed three people before being killed himself was identified Monday as 20-year-old Jonathan Sipierman. Sipierman, sorry. Sipierman. Sipperman. Sipperman. I think his other saying that. Elijah Dickens shot and killed Spearman two minutes after the rampage started. Greenwood Police Chief James Eisen said, Our city... Our Here, community- I got a little oh, bit yeah. of audio. Okay. The mayor and the police chief of Greenwood, Indiana, are praising uh, Elijah Dickens, who shot and killed the gunman at their mall. The 20-year-old gunman killed three before he was shot by the hero. They're calling him a hero. So here's Mayor Mark Myers. Greenwood, Indiana is... Uh, a town of about 60,000 people, so a pretty good-sized town, and police chief James Eisen 
This young man, Greenwood's Good Samaritan, acted within seconds, stopping the shooter and saving countless lives. Many more people would have died last night if not for a responsible armed citizen that took action very quickly within the first two minutes of this shooting. His actions were nothing short of heroic. He engaged the gunman from quite a distance with a handgun, and as he moved to close in on the suspect, he was also motioning for people to exit behind him. To our knowledge, he has no police training and no military background. Wow. The 20, we'll probably find out more about this young man, um, but he was lawfully carrying his firearm. He shot 10 times. They said that the uh, the gunman he brought down still had over 100 rounds of ammunition that oh he hadn't God. shot yet. So this could have been, the death toll could have been much, much higher. Thank God for people like him. Thank God for concealed handgun care. I mean, it's... Uh, well, they do make the point here that it is very, very uncommon for a mass shooting event to end with a, a good Samaritan like this. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, from 2000 to 2021, fewer than 3% of all the active attacks in the U.S. ended with a civilian firing back. And oftentimes the civilian was a security guard. So they're counting a security guard as a civilian. The numbers are even lower when it comes to, uh, like, somebody whose job wasn't to carry a a real civilian. Right, right, right. Uh, But 3% of the 433 active attacks in the U.S. ended in this manner, with a civilian firing back. You know, I'd be curious to know the t- statistics on how many had concealed handguns in those attacks. How many people were just carrying I, in general? I think there were people who had said they were they were in Walmart, they had their concealed carry, but when the firing started, they, they evacuated because they were with their kids or their families. Right. They didn't want to put themselves, you know, if you can get out of a situation yeah, like that, you do it. Yeah, that's very interesting. Now, some some people are probably thinking, too bad this 22-year-old civilian wasn't in Uvalde. Maybe he could have actually done something that the over 300 police officers and other law enforcement weren't able or willing to do. The Johnson County coroner also identified the three people who were killed in the shooting. 30-year-old Victor Gomez and married couple Pedro Pineda, 56, and Rosa Rivera de Pineda. When I heard the names, it made me wonder, was this a target on... On Hispanic Hispanics. people, mm-hmm. right, just because of the names of the of the victims. And uh, other people were injured, including one of the wounded that's mm-hmm. expected to survive a 12-year-old. Well, finally, dozens of angry, heartbroken parents and hundreds of community members tore into the Uvalde, Texas, school board Monday night. At the top of their list of questions, why hasn't Uvalde school police chief Pete Arredondo been fired? Why hasn't he moved? I mean, the... the right. Just knowing, you know, it's a community, everybody knows who you are. He's been taking the brunt of the blame, although some of this recent stuff makes you realize that he wasn't the only guy who slipped up. Right. Wouldn't you, if you were in his position, just, I'm I'm moving. Yeah, definitely. I'm, oh, I'm leaving this town. I'm too well, ashamed to Well, that also makes you town. look more guilty if you did that. <clears throat> the crowd erupted into a chorus of shame on you as the meeting began. One by one, people slammed the board, questioning school officials' handling of safety and demanding accountability from those who are paid to protect children and school staff. Here is uh, uncle of one of the one of the victims, one of the students who died, Brett Cross, and he wants. Uh, School police chief Pete Arredondo fired or else. 
Well, I'll tell you this, if, he, if he's not fired by noon tomorrow, then I want your resignation and every single one of you board members because y'all do not give a about our children or us. Wow. And uh, one of the Rob Elementary students who uh, was not a victim in the shooting uh, spoke uh, during the meeting as well. Most of those kids were my friends. And that's not good. And I don't want to go to your guys' school if they don't have protection. Oh, my God. That is heartbreaking. My heart. As Rob Elementary School parent Tina on Quintanilla Taylor thundered, I am disgusted with your leadership. Yeah, I think Pete Arredondo, if I were in his position, I might just slink away and, Mm -hmm. you know, just because your reputation is taking such a big hit. And the more information comes out, none of it. The only thing that I guess you could say takes some of the focus off Pete Arredondo is that you had a bunch of other agencies, 20 of them that were there. Almost 400 officers were at on the campus that day mm-hmm. so well I mean, with the news i'm nico all right let's take a break we're going to come back here's the telephone number if you want to give us a call in the studio it's 915-910-4995 that's 915-910-4995 we'll talk about anything you want to talk about give us a call let's take a break more of the buzz adams morning show is on the way right after this i'm daniel paulus and whether you're wrapping up your work day on the ride home or running errands el paso's best rock will make the afternoon a rocking one with 95.5 klaq Open Limit 30. Live from the KLAQ Studios. Courtesy of Glasheen, Vias, and Enderman Personal Injury Lawyers. 915-590-1900. The Buzz Adams Morning Show. All right, it's Tuesday morning. We've got three more weeks left in our Cool Canyon Nights concert series. Coming up this Thursday on the Amphitheater Stage, West Star Presents Tribes. Ooh. And uh, they are described as a mariachi band that performs originals, cumbias, progressive neo-traditional mariachi with some, or some, some rock mariachi covers thrown in. A week from Thursday, July 28th, Fungi Mungle, El Paso's favorite party band, is going to be on the amphitheater stage. August 4th, the rescheduled Azucar concert. Every concert is free, and we have music starting on the patio at 6 o'clock. The main shows go on at 7 on the West Star Amphitheater stage. It really is one of the coolest free events that you can do. A lot of fun. Yeah. I want to thank some of our other sponsors, White Claw. ROI Home Remodeling and Charlie Clagnison. I think it's pronounced Roy. Roy? Yeah. All right. Roy Home Remodeling. That was in my notes for one of the... Like when you did the yeah. announcements out there? It's... <laughs> Good to uh, I'm. I was thinking about the uh, the 22-year-old Good Samaritan who, who shot the uh, mole shooter yes. in Indiana they were talking about. I was just thinking, man, this guy's going to become a public figure whether he wants Wanted to or, or not. not. Yeah, because everybody's going to be, well, we want to find out more about it. What if, you know, it was in a situation like this, but the guy wasn't 
didn't ha- have a registration. I don't know if Indiana uh-huh. is a constitutional carry. Say, say the guy had a felony conviction. Right. What would have happened if the guy had been illegally in the country? Yeah. Right. Think about that. You would really have Not- a hard time knowing how to spin this. It's like, well, he's a hero, but he was also illegally. Also, he wouldn't want to be known either. He'd try. He'd probably try and be like, yeah, leave my name out of it. Anyway, they've identified the uh, shooter, and they've identified the shooter of the shooter uh, in that case. I've got a few uh, entertainment notes. Speaking of the, just to backtrack on that, yesterday in the chat, Eric, you know, the moderator for one of our chats, was Mm -hmm. was bringing up the fact that handguns really cause the most uh, murder, I mean, statistically from gun violence and murders, gun violence is the main cause of them in the United States, not... Absolutely. Yeah. Part of that, not all of it, but part of it is because that's what's usually used in suicides, and they count that in those homicide statistics. When somebody commits suicide, that can count in the statistics. I brought that exact same thing up to him, and you know what? It's more than 50%. More than 50% of handgun deaths are people killing themselves. Yeah, self-inflicted. But... Handguns are the weapon of choice for domestic disputes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even not carrying suicides. Activity. Right. Most people, when they're doing a home invasion or something, uh, they're not using a, an AR-15. The AR-15s get all the headlines, and as they should right. when there's a mass shooting, especially when it involves innocent people, and especially, especially. Well, that was my point, kids. was that I think we're talking about a specific problem. We're not talking about general handgun violence. Right. If you want to talk about gun violence in America, a huge part of it that hardly anybody talks about are the number of people who commit suicide yeah. with handguns. And then that would be the focus. But I, I think Most it, of the handguns where kids uh, get a hold of their dad's guns, that usually happens with a handgun. But the mall shooter, what mm-hmm. did he have? He had a, one of each. He had a long gun, a rifle. Uh, apparently, uh, I think he had shot something like 47 rounds and still had 100 rounds left when he was taken out. So this was somebody who had a high capacity right. to do a lot of damage, and he was thankfully stopped uh, after, well, you know, it's tragedy that the three people died. Yeah, But, but it, apparently he went in there with enough ammunition that he was probably thinking of killing a lot more people. But when you, when we, when you think of these bigger, more ho- high-profile uh, instance, whether it's the Walmart shooting, whether it's Uvalde, it's it seems to be an assault rifle yeah. issue. <clears throat> yeah, usually if you're going in, you want to do maximum damage. Now, if you're doing street crime or gang violence or even, you know, you got a beef with somebody in your family, that sort of thing is usually going to be a handgun situation. But nobody's talking about taking away handguns or regulating that in, in, the, in the same no, way No, and whatsoever. that used to really, you know, that was really 25, 30 years ago in the 90s. That was the big conversation. Nobody wanted to take your rifle. But they wanted to make a lot of laws against handguns because those were seen as the ones that were, you know, used the most mm-hmm. in crimes. This was before Columbine. Right. You know, yeah. and everything else that's happened since then. I Yeah, they're, they're related issues, but... But also, they're, they're separate issues mm-hmm. themselves. Yeah, I just think it's interesting. Yeah, it's a little topsy-turvy. Television tonight, the Major League Baseball All-Star Game is tonight. Starts at 5 o'clock El Paso time on the Fox Network. NBC has America's Got Talent auditions at 7, followed by 
the first season finale of Dancing with Myself on NBC. Over on Peacock, the fourth season premiere of Love Island. I've got a few uh, relationship notes here. Some couples that are calling it quits and some couples that are on the opposite end of the spectrum. Emily Ratajkowski and her husband have split after four years of marriage. Yes! Woo! <laughs> yes! She'll be right. back on the market. Finally! Her home? marriage was the only thing keeping me any, <laughs> keeping any of us from hooking up with the girl from the Blurred Lines video. <laughs> Damn it. The one thing standing between me. <laughs> Anya Taylor-Joy secretly got married. Oh, uh, from the chess? She's the chess yeah. girl. The girl, yeah. Chelsea Handler and Joe Coy have broken up after <gasps> a year together. No. That's a big one, right, Jonah? That Jana? is a big one. They had already recorded a, a video together celebrating their first year anniversary. <gasps> and Chelsea posted it along with the breakup announcement. Oh, that sucks. Well, so a lot of people may not know the history of the relationship buzz i'm not sure if you even knew that joe coy came onto her show uh her tv show a lot and some people say that she was the one to really get his career jump started uh, just as a comic i know he was he was actually doing a lot of comedy before that but yeah he was a yeah, successful he, comic he was a successful before. comic before that but it is kind of a big deal now yeah that's that's crazy and I've got a few notes about the surprise Benifer wedding over the weekend. Woo! A source said that Jennifer was worried that Ben would get cold feet. So the fact that they rushed it and eloped, kind of eloped, isn't that surprising. But that's her doing? She's like, I want to lock it down? According to the source, yeah. and it doesn't say who the source is, Jen didn't want to give Ben a chance to skip out. Like he might... <laughs> Get cold feet. I don't know. If I were in a relationship and I thought there was a possibility that the person might get cold feet, I'd, I'd want to let that play yeah. out first, you know? Maybe hey, that's not a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> uh, here's a quote from the source. Jennifer, J-Lo we're talking about, has been ready to get married since the night Ben proposed. She wanted to lock this down and remove any chance for cold feet. A-S-A-P. And it's just signed initials M. Damon. So, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> nice. The source, whoever it is, also mentioned that Ben's 16-year-old daughter, Violet, didn't attend the wedding because she is loyal to her mom, Jennifer Garner. Aww. Aww. Even though the wedding was small, Ben and J-Lo were reportedly going to have a big party on Ben's property in Georgia, and that's going to happen within the next few weeks. A source says the party will be a two- or three-day affair with only family and Matt Damon. Oh, I'm sorry, close friends, it says. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe Mini, Mini Driver might be there, too. J-Lo turns 53 on the 24th, so maybe it'll be a combination birthday celebration and... Celebration. You know she's like three years older than Benefit, four years older? Is that right? Yeah. No. She's cra no cradle robber. That. <laughs> okay. And it uh, seems like there's a lot of appetite for information about 
Jennifer Lynn Affleck. She said she was going to start going by the name Affleck. Will, so that would be Jaff. <laughs> now, I think we've covered all the important notes. <laughs> Yeah, I think we have. Coming up, the hottest details about Ben Affleck and J-Lo's wedding. Eh, that's okay. All of the details you need to know. Where was the venue? Which dress did J-Lo wear? Which dress did she change into? What did Ben wear? Who were the guests? No, no thanks. I'm good. Was the food good? Who catered the meal? What do other people have to say about the wedding? What does the president think? Well, well, hey, man. What are you asking me? (laughs) A wedding? Ben and J-Lo? Who are they? Who are they? Yeah. See, nobody cares. I thought we were talking about the January 6th hearings now. Are you kidding me? That's old news. Try to keep up, will ya? Well, I don't care about any of this stuff. Well, you better start caring, you hear me? Yikes. Get all the details about Ben Affleck and J-Lo's wedding until Britney Spears releases more naked pics. (laughs) Then we'll only care about that. Coming up. This is the Buzz Adams Morning Show. It's Tuesday. About an hour from now, Veronica is going to take over. You'll hear double shots spread throughout the day, sometimes, occasionally. Be a nice surprise. You hear one song from one of your favorite artists or bands. Yeah. I'm going to hear a second on KLAQ's Two for Tuesday. Can I say something? Buzz, you look very spiffy today. You do look spiffy. I almost thought, do you have court today? Nope. Right. Just wanted to really kind of put an exclamation point on my <laughs> shaming of your open-toed sandals, which I just got to tell you, not appropriate no. for the work. No, you definitely you don't look like you took any of that from uh, the body of somebody at a funeral. It does not look <laughs> like funeral clothes at all. Are you talking about the mortician or possibly the, the corpse? Yeah, the corpse, corpse, for sure. Yeah. I thought corporate was coming in today, and I thought, oh, crap. <laughs> oh, like I like I got the message and you guys didn't? Yeah. Joanna's got an article about her being a guest on a podcast. Yep. You want to plug the podcast, Joanna, that has your episode on it? Yeah, for sure. It's called Conversing with Chris and Misa. Nico and I have both been guests on it, and they're really just waiting until Buzz Adams accepts their invitation. Hmm. I, I mean, it's not like I've turned down an invitation. I haven't gotten it. Well, I mean... Oh, apparently Nico has been supposed was supposed I've, to be I've, telling you. I've definitely asked him before, just offhandedly. I just know Buzz. First of all, these guys, Chris and Nisa, they're good buddies of mine. I met them maybe over two years ago doing this and uh, doing podcasts. They were initially helping me out with my podcast, and they, they've come over to the house several times. They did say that they've been to your house, and I'm like, you guys could have just done it at his house. Yeah. He's got a whole studio there. So, you wouldn't I, have I've to asked, go anywhere. I've asked Buzz before, hey, do you want to, what, what do you think of doing a podcast where you have to drive to somebody's house and go do it? And he's like, uh, no. <laughs> Buzz is like, I have to drive somewhere? Okay. I didn't want to tell the guys that. But I was like, no, I'll yeah. totally tell Buzz. I, I just know him. Sure. I just know Buzz. I think you would have a great you time, You would have Buzz. a good time, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I was a guest this past weekend, and the show ran for almost two hours. Like, we were there for two hours of recording. It's one of those long-form talk ones, Buzz. So you would be there for two hours just talking about your life. Drinking a tall boy. Drinking a tall boy. Yeah, you make it sound so appealing. <laughs> well, it's, it is. It's fun. It is fun. Yeah. 
And the guys are great. Yeah, they're really cool guys. Speaking, speaking of podcasts, why don't we plug the podcasts that we're supposed to do on a yeah. regular basis? So every day, Joanna, we've got the Buzz Adams On Demand. On Demand. And tell us about that and how people can access that. It's the show condensed down to about an hour and a half, maybe two right. hours. If you missed some of today's show, we're going to yeah. have clips on demand that you can get mm-hmm. in podcast form. Right. And it is up uh, almost as soon as the show's yeah. over. We have I, a different format now of doing it. So I've noticed that Are lately. Are people noticing the difference in the podcast? Do they, do they like the changes, not I like the changes? I don't know what the people think. <laughs> well, the only difference I've does, noticed is... Does it kind of like AI does it itself? No, I still have to oh, do, still do some <laughs> button pressing. Um, but I'm not entirely sure what the people think. Well, it's coming out like... It, like you said, early it and... It does come out earlier. And uh, at the same time, pretty much every day. Mm-hmm. We've got the After Buzz podcast, which uh, I think we, today. we had decided uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays That's are right. going to be the days for the After Buzz podcast. And but. I will not leave till it is up today. Right. I think I've gotten pretty good about... Because I have to send it to Nico after it's recorded. I'm mm-hmm. doing that right. part, but then sometimes... You right. forget to yes. Sometimes to I forget. Up. Well, you gotta gotta put it up there, man. We got it, some it, very loyal podcast mm-hmm. listeners who notice right away. So much wind was taking out of my sail with the podcast, man. It's just like, oh, okay, corporate doesn't care. I've got an article up at klaq.com, and it's about Indiana Jones Five, which is scheduled for a release in 2023. And Harrison Ford, I think, is legitimately, guys, 80 freaking years old. I think he's seriously 80 years old. Did you ever hear the interview where somebody says, "Uh, how would you feel if, you know, you're older and somebody uh, else plays Indiana Jones? And Harrison Ford said, the character dies with me. It dies with me. Um a little bit that we know, Harrison Ford is back, of course. Phoebe Waller-Bridge from, I forget the name of that show, Fleabag. Mm-hmm. Mads Mikkelsen and Antonio Banderas. Ooh. This will also be the first Indiana Jones movie not directed by Steven Spielberg <laughs> and not written by George Lucas. I, I mean, after Indiana Jones 4, I feel the same way. That's a beloved franchise. The first Raiders of the Lost Ark is one of my favorite. Just, you know, the way it was shot and everything about it and the whole throwback feel and everything. But the other ones, too. I like I the mean, one with Sean Connery. I like the one with Sean Connery. I like the one with the chilled monkey brains. <laughs> <laughs> but number four but was number just four. a In travesty. Fact, somebody who was hired to help with the script has admitted that he was very much against the aliens plot, the ancient aliens plot in Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Wait, one of the writers is like, oh yeah, I hate what we wrote. Yeah, David Kep was brought in to help finish the script for Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, and he acknowledged that he hated the aliens plot line, but according to Kep, he told Spielberg and Lucas that he didn't think that was a good plot point. But according to him, this writer, Spielberg and Lucas told him that the aliens had to stay in. That the aliens were non-negotiable. Aliens? Non-negotiable. And of all the things that were wrong with that movie, the fact that aliens were in it, I mean, 
in a film franchise where you already got angry Hebrew ghosts <laughs> and an 800-year-old medieval knight who's guarding the literal <laughs> Holy Grail. I didn't think aliens... I didn't think it was, like, too much of a stretch considering what we've we've already seen before. But it was a bad movie. Didn't they also have, like, giant ants in there? <laughs> the South American man-eating ants. I I am proposing right here and now that they that they do a Bobby Ewing. And if you don't know that reference, Mm-mm. there was a season of Dallas where a bunch of stuff happened and then the very first episode of the next season of Dallas, Bobby Ewing, you find out it was all a dream. Um that's such a hacky. Oh, that is such bad. a hacky plot. Oh, it was all a dream. But in the case of Indiana Jones 4, the attack of the killer South American ants, or whatever it was called. <laughs> that would be this the best would call. be everybody would love that. Right? Joanna, did you watch Dallas? No. Okay. It would come on before Golden Girls. Yeah, I, I didn't really watch Dallas, but it was kind of a famous thing because people were mad back then in the eighties. Didn't they do that with Saint Elsewhere as well? The the at the end of it. Yeah, I think the end of the episode implied that everything that had happened in was, in the, was the, in the imagination of an autistic child. child. Right, and they yeah. look at the snow globe, yeah. and there is Saint Elsewhere. So, I think Indiana Jones five, whatever's going on, Indiana Jones steps out of the shower, wakes up, and realizes that it all. All of it, surviving a direct nuclear blast by getting in a refrigerator, uh, the horror of having Shia LaBeouf be your long-lost son, all of that <laughs> could just be Bobby ewing And one other article I wrote about has to do with Shark Week, which begins a week from Sunday, right? Shark Week! Is it this Sunday or a week from? Double check that. This coming Sunday. This Sunday. Yes. July 24th. 24th. Thank you for straightening that out. So uh, a couple of new things. For the first time, there's going to be a Shark Week Master of Ceremonies, and it's going to be Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Was he ever in a, like a shark-related movie? Was he in The Meg? No. (laughs) I never saw The Meg. That was Jason Statham. Shark Tornado, maybe? Sharknado? No, The Rock's never been in Sharknado. Uh, So that's one change. Sharks on a plane? This is the 25th year of Shark Week. The first Shark Week on Discovery was way back in July of 1987. And here's a big difference. Back then, it was much more about destigmatizing. Like, uh, sharks had gotten a bad image, and people perceived them as these remorseless killers. And... uh, it had a lot more to do with conservation and, you know, making sharks not seen as such a scary. But it's 2022, and it looks like they have fully embraced the scariest aspects of sharks. Fish are friends. So I thought this would be kind of fun. I'm going to give you the actual title of some of the new produced shows that are going to air next week in Shark Week. Okay. These are the actual titles. Then I'm going to tell you what they sound like they should be about. And then okay. I'll tell you what the actual synopsis is. Let's do so it. So these are all actual shows scheduled for Shark Week. Uh, the first one is The Haunting of Shark Tower. <laughs> I love the title already. So this is like Jaws meets 
the exorcism of Emily Rose. I don't know. Maybe yeah. there's an underwater the tower one? and somebody's been seeing some shark ghost. Where's this tower at? Is it in the ocean? You know, that's just what I think it sounds like. What it really is, all right? An exploration into whether or not great whites are moving into the coastal waters of North Carolina. Now, how that is a ghost shark, it seems to be a little misleading, right? Mm-hmm. All right, here's another one. The title, Air Jaws, Top Guns. A high school basketball team befriends a local shark, and he plays on the hmm. basketball team. I thought maybe it's uh, people shooting sharks from helicopters. That'd be cool. Maybe some sharks are evolving along the lines of flying fish. Maybe that's where Air Jaws comes from. Well, the truth is a lot less exciting. It, it is sharks jumping out of the water, yeah, along with a title that piggybacks on a huge summer blockbuster. That's basically it. Top Gun. But this uh, is just sharks that jump out of water? Yep, a lot of sharks jumping out of the water. And it kind of cashes in on... You know, Top Gun. Popular movie. Jaws. All right, how Top about this gun. one? This is the actual title of a Shark Week episode. Great White Serial Killer, Fatal Christmas. Or Great White Serial Kill, Fatal Christmas. All right, here's, here's how I imagine it going. All right. A baby shark who saw its parents killed by a man dressed as Santa Claus... Seeks revenge by going on a yearly rampage on Christmas Day. Oh, now that my God. sounds great, right? Yeah, it does. Also, sounds like the origins of Batman. Do you want to hear <laughs> what it really is? Yes. Now, it sounds like the origins of Silent Night, Deadly Night. Joanna, have you ever seen oh, that yeah. one? That was. Th- there was a period in the '80s after Halloween came out, and Friday the Thirteenth, where everybody in Hollywood was just like. Pick a holiday. We're going to turn it into a Let's do Christmas horror. They did. (laughs) Silent Night, Deadly Night. Easter Uh, Bunny horror. What it really is. Great white serial kill fatal Christmas. And here's the description it gives. Forensic evidence is used to identify the shark that killed a surfer off Morro Bay in in California on Christmas Eve. Does it matter in shark attacks when you get the right one? (laughs) Right? (laughs) This isn't a criminal case. You're not <laughs> you gonna. Know that. You're not gonna put him in jail. Conviction. Right. Yeah, you're not gonna shark jail. Have you seen those huge cages? Yeah, I guess that's a good point. But it's like, oh, we're gonna reconstruct the murder and solve the case with DNA. Look, yeah. they got to do a week's worth of new programming. <laughs> <laughs> this is the way it looks to me. And they ever gotta... since they bamboozled us with that Michael Phelps thing. Oh, oh, where he was going to fight a shark? And no, he's going to race a shark. Race a shark. Were, he was never was no in the shark. water. He, he was never in the water with, with a shark. shark. Okay. All right. This is an actual title. A new uh, special on Shark Week this this year. Jaws versus Kraken. Okay, that sounds pretty cool. Actually, how has the, the Sci-Fi Kraken. Channel not already done yeah, this? This is an original Sci-Fi movie. It sounds course. like it should be Jaws versus Kraken. You want to hear what it really is? Aww, yeah. You're going to break our hearts with yep. it. Yep. Here's the synopsis. Evidence suggests great whites and giant squids sometimes fight. <laughs> okay. strongly suggests. So you, they don't even know? No. <laughs> and then are we going to get to see them fighting? 
if if they have it, I don't, it doesn't sound like they have any existing footage of that. So it might be recre- recreations. They do that sometimes during. Shark You'll get week. the best of our computer generated. Right, that's what the thing with Michael Phelps was. Let's it was a computer this is a generated Kraken, shark, and this is a shark, and they're fighting. Here's another. Title. I'd rather see a shark fight a guy named McCracken. McCracken. Title: Pigs versus Sharks. They just throw some pigs out into the water. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Are they just sacrificing pigs into the water? It, I think I know who wins. This sounds very <laughs> one-sided. <Yeah>. Right. <laughs> Although pigs can be very, quite rapacious. <laughs> <laughs> they say the best way to dispose of a body is to throw it to the pigs. I know. Who uses the word rapacious like that? Aggressively <laughs> greedy or grasping. Yeah. You couldn't just say that? Jesus. It sounds so much funnier if he says rapacious. Here's what, here's what the synopsis really is for pigs versus sharks. Tiger sharks off the coast of the Bahamas may be acquiring a taste for the famous local swimming pigs. That's one of the sites you can see in the Bahamas. They have some pigs who are famous for, for swimming yeah. in the lagoon or whatever. And, and, and now sharks are like, you decided to come where I live? Right. Title, Island of the Walking Shark. Island of Walking Sharks. All right, let me think. It's about walking sharks on an island. I'm going to say... So it's... there's, like, people from The Walking Dead, and they're like, <laughs> we're here with the sharks. That'd be actually pretty good. I was thinking of literal walking shark, like uh, Stallone's character in Suicide Squad 2. Oh, that'd be scary. Oh, uh... Shark. Shark King. King Shark. Sorry. But... It's not that good. Island of Walking mm-hmm. Sharks. Here's the actual synopsis. A supposedly scientific look into whether or not sharks in Papua New Guinea are evolving to walk on land. You know what? Actually, that, I that do want to see that. I do want to see that. Do they have little flippers or feet? What, what is, what is the evidence so far? Have you ever so seen some of these fish that they say can can walk from one puddle of water to another puddle of water like they just have like rudimentary leg little they don't look like well there's not on their fins there's not a lot of those type of fish one uh and i think the one that you're speaking about is specifically like an ancestor to to certain species now this one you can't miss with this title mecha shark love down under (laughs) love down they have the technology mecha shark to create an entire robotic shark you know what? You're not that you're not that far off. I was thinking it's half shark, half machine. <laughs> He's headed to the Great Barrier Reef to find love. Yes. What I would it, watch that. What it really is. A guy in a one-man submarine that's shaped like a shark goes looking for the great white mating grounds off of New Zealand. What so if, it is kind of like it's a submersive. I wonder if he's trying to like get in on some of the hot and heavy action. Yeah, what like, are they going to mistake me? You could, you could ruin a rotor like that. <laughs> so uh, those are some of the shows, actual show titles that are going to be uh, on Shark Week. And I don't know. I'm kind of want to see the one about the walking sharks and the guy. I got to tell you, there's at least a little bit of interest to see what happens when you're riding around in a submersible that looks see. like a sexy lady shark. If that guy gets humped by a shark. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
<laughs> this Sunday in my easy chair is where my butt belongs. I'll laugh while fish are ripped apart. I hope that isn't wrong. The more seals I see chewed and swallowed, the more I sing this song. There's sharks on Discovery, and it lasts the whole week long. Well, this is not a boat accident. Who is a shark? This shark swallow you whole. Tiger shark. You go inside the cage. Cage goes in the water. You go in the water. Sharks. Mm. There's sharks on Discovery, and it lasts the whole week long. Shark. What kind of radio show is this? Crazy! A short pause, and the Buzz Adams Morning Show will be... Buzz is back. This hour brought to you by Smack and Cheese. Smack and Cheese. Heat it up in a spoon. Buzz in the Morning Show. Only on 95.5 KLAQ. All right, we have Joanna's Hollywood News coming up in just a moment. Uh, Wolfgang Van Halen was in the news uh, a week or so ago because he's getting married. Mm-hmm. Congratulations to him. Oh, his his uh, fiance is so beautiful. Yeah, she's good looking. Good for Wolfie. And I'm bringing up uh, Wolfgang Van Halen. He says that there are plans for former members of Van Halen and some guest musicians to do a tribute show, but those plans haven't come together because, quote, some people are making it difficult. And if by some people you think maybe he's talking about David Lee Roth, Wolfgang was asked about that and said, do your research on the history of Van Halen and come to your conclusions. I think it could be Sammy Hagar, for that matter. What does that mean? Well, look, Van Halen is a band that had some pretty notable breakups. Hmm. You know, David Lee Roth left the band to pursue a solo career, which was, you know, to varying degrees successful. Mm -hmm. And he was replaced by Sammy Hagar, who was already a pretty big rock star Mm -hmm. in his own right. Uh, some there was a falling out between Sammy and Eddie. Ed, well, the Van Halens, Eddie and Alex, and it looks like Michael Anthony, the bassist, sided with Sammy or uh-huh. stayed close. Anyway, it ended up being uh, Michael Anthony was kicked out of the band. He was replaced by Wolfgang Van Halen when he was old enough. He he's he was the bass player. So you. You had three Van Halens in Van Halen. That's a voting block there. (laughs) (laughs) So so whoever the lead singer is going to be after that. Um, In a new interview, Wolfgang Van Halen says it happened yet. And here's the full quote. Quote, some people that make it very difficult to do anything when it comes to Van Halen are standing in the way. And another quote here from time from my time in Van Halen, there is always some stuff that gets in the way for just making music and having a good time. And I think that's what happened. Well, you know, Eddie had some real health problems for a while that kind of prevented him from performing too. But, you know, obviously Eddie's passed on. Uh, it sounds like he... Uh, <laughs> oh, here you go. He said, a certain singer with three initials. David David Lee Roth? DLR, supposedly. 
couple of years ago, David Lee Roth did an interview where he basically takes credit for everything that Van Halen ever did that was good. No, I wrote the songs. I wrote every word you heard, every syllable, every melody. I structured out even the guitar solos on that first album. Why do you think the solos changed so radically? I sang the solos for Jamie's crying and running with the devil, etc. Because we're not up here strumming with the devil. This is not some tribute band. I wrote those songs. I structured those songs. I designed the backgrounds on the stage. I came up with the album covers. I thought of the stripes on the guitar. I'm the one who said, call it Van Halen. <laughs> I'm the one who said, name it after yourself to the other guys. So what did they do? They did nothing. They just played. Well, they played what I told them to play. Right? I mean, Eddie is arguably the greatest rock guitarist of all time. So there's that, right? But back before uh, before Eddie passed away, in fact, this this all the way back in 2006, David Lee Roth said that a Van Halen reunion was inevitable. But he also throws some shade at Eddie Van Halen. Who he calls Eddie Van Winkle, but this was long before Eddie. Oh, I thought passed. he's sleeping with the fishes. No, probably. You know, like I say, Eddie had a multitude of health concerns. Now, you and Eddie Van Halen, are you talking to each other? Well, define talking. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I think uh, paging Eddie Van Winkle. I think he's the only one of the camp who's still kind of resistant to the idea. Who knows what's going on with Eddie? That would he's be a very lucrative himself. reunion. Um, yeah, and how hard is it to sing "Dance the Night Away"? I tell you, I've done it. <laughs> <laughs> how hard is it to hard sing "Dance the Night Away"? Our job isn't hard. <laughs> it is six in the morning now. So, so the, yeah, you're I'm saying here. the only one holding it up is, is Eddie? Ah, see, back in 2006, David Lee Roth was saying Eddie was the only thing holding it up. In 2022, Wolfgang is saying uh, David is the only thing holding it up. Yeah, at this point in time, he's got uh, issues. I don't know. What does Axl Rose have? Issues? Yeah, Something all right. So, so, But you think you can clear those. Have you heard from... You could hear things got messy mm -hmm. for a while. And his people talking to your people that a reunion's possible and you guys are going to make gobs of money? I think it's inevitable. That that material is as familiar as my country tis of Purple Mountains, particularly in uh, warm weather when the summertime shows up here. And uh, to avert that, I think, would be a sin. All right. Hmm. So maybe eventually it will happen. Here is a uh, neckline call. I can see it's from Abilene. I bet it there's a good chance that it's Dean. Well, before you do that, I just wanted to say uh, I have been watching a new show. It's called Hot in Cleveland, and one of the main stars on it is Valerie Bertinelli. <laughs> okay. And I just found out she's Wolfgang Van Halen's mom. That's she a is. Great connection you made there. Thank you. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> and she calls him Wolfie. Yes. And that's all. And. You know, she endorsed Weight Watchers for a long time. You, I, I was because th I had seen pictures of her, and yeah, she was a lot bigger. But in Hot in Cleveland, she looks great, like amazing. Mm -hmm. So I did hear some news coverage about the Indiana thing, and they're praising the shooter. I had a question for you. I know that you own a gun. I don't know if you carry it constantly with you. But would you be willing to confront an active shooter? I think it would really depend on the 
circumstances. Like, did you was, tell me you've actually had a gun pulled on you before? You yeah, have? but it wasn't. It wasn't like an active shooter. Thing. No, no, no. But it was pointed at you. Mm-hmm. <gasps> yeah. Oh, it went off. Oh my god. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah, if I were cornered someplace and it was like, I, I got to do this, but, you know, I think a lot of people, especially if you're with your family, even right. if you're carrying a concealed weapon, I, I mean, I just can't imagine, although maybe we we all should imagine what it would be like in a scenario. I think my main thing would make, make sure that my fam, you know, maybe I've got my kids with me, get them out, get them safe. Mm-hmm. And I think there'd be probably an instinct for self-preservation. Now, I think if I were like, Right there, and it was a, you know, a real back against the wall situation. But who knows? Exactly. I mean, who really knows how you'd respond? I think people who people who, you know, serve in the military or the police. The idea is they're supposed to have trained for situations like that. If you've never had a gun pointed at you, I think it might really change your perspective on something. So, the 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 honest answer is, I don't know. I don't think anybody does until they're put in those situations. And I think there's a lot of weekend warriors out there who, who have tactical gear or they, you know, they invest in in gun magazines and stuff. If you want to see Dean from Abilene's brain melt, wait till they come out with a report that this guy was Ill- illegal alien. <laughs> <laughs> that the that the hero in Indiana. No, I don't think anybody's saying no. that, but that would. But you, do you know what I mean? That there's a lot of people that imagine what they would do. They're like, man, if I was in that situation, I would have totally. Busted out my my conceal. I would have totally saved everybody. Didn't Trump say that after Parkland that he would have ran into the school? In. Right? It's Wasn't just, he like I would have ran? I would have ran into the school. Nobody knows what they would do in I those situations. So. And they actually hey, look. Ask all those cops that were at Uvalde. I'm sure exactly. they've thought about it more than the average person is, and in their imaginings, I bet none of them imagine sitting around for 77 minutes with their thumbs up their butts. My best friend Chris is a. Um, uh, Green Beret, and he also does uh, private uh, gun training and safety. And he says that uh, for the most part, what they focus on now is stress training, where they want there to be lights, sounds, flashbangs going on, yeah. pressure to make you feel as if it's a real c- scenario. That just going to the gun range is not the same. I mean, thing. target shooting is great, but how about target exactly. shooting when somebody's shooting back? At exactly, you? That's an entirely different thing. Exactly. Uh, so, I mean, the only honest answer I could give is, I, I don't know. I, God, I hope I'm never in that position. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, let's go ahead and take a break. We'll have entertainment with Joanna coming up and more of the Buzz Adams Morning Show's on the way right after this. The Morning Show that's live and local with Buzz. Ninko Jimian has a comedy show he would like to promote. I do. I, uh, I'm going to have a comedy show tomorrow, Wednesday, at Mad Hatter's on the west side, uh, right next to Rubik's. Uh, what is what is Mad Hatter's? Is it a restaurant or it's, a bar? It, no, it's a bar. Uh, pretty much only bar. I don't think they serve any food. Do they have like a Alice in Wonderland theme? Uh, they do, actually. It is. Yeah. Uh, do you want to see the poster? That's like the Mad Hatter. Yeah. They use an image of Johnny Depp? No, they didn't. Okay. It starts at 9 p.m. You can follow us uh, online as well. You can follow me. And uh, it'll be followed by an open mic. Anybody wanting to try their hand at comedy. But you've got some great comics. Anthony Austin Brown, Ponchi, Edetta, Joe Rodriguez, and myself will be performing. 4025 North Mesa. Matt Hatter right next to Rubik's. 
Oh, Joanna and Nico had an idea for today's After Buzz. So oh. we, normally I don't have any idea what we're going to be doing on the After uh-huh. Buzz. But do you remember that uh, emotional age online quiz that I gave you off the air last week? Yes, I do. I want to do it again. What, what did it turn out? You're like I'm a few years 25. old. Oh, you're younger. Yeah, she's younger. younger. She's about mm-hmm. almost 10 years younger. Her mental age. Mm-hmm. The interwebs are going crazy. A little nuts about this mm-hmm. mental age test, which you can take. And it's like 30 questions. And they ask you. And then it tells you mentally, are you, or emotionally, are you the age you are? Are you older? Are you younger? Nico thinks he's going to be older. I think you're going to be younger. You think I'm mentally a lot younger we, than I? We all thought I was going to be older. I thought you were going to be older. It came back very much younger. I would so. love to have the mentality of a 15 year old right now. That'd be great. <laughs> you do. Yeah, I, I want to so. prove it. I think yeah. you're going to come in somewhere around 22. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that's where I'd put you. I wish my face could turn 17. that way. 17. What uh, I want to do it to Buzz because Buzz always comes off as much older mentally. I mean, mature wise, and the kind of, you're just kind of like an old. Do you man. remember any of the questions, Joanna? Uh, they, they, they were really random. Right. Like, do you have do you, a dream? Do you have a dream? And then <laughs> right. I was like, yes, let me tell you about the one I had last night. And I think they meant like aspirations. Yeah, yeah that's totally what they meant. <laughs> do you remember? There were a lot of questions, though, right? Yes, there was a bunch of questions. Joanna, how old, what age do you think Buzz's would be? He's like an old man already. He's to like be like 82. 80, like 82. Yeah, right. but I think there's a chance that it could come back and be like, you're 12. <laughs> you are 12. I think there's a possibility that that could happen. Time for entertainment news. Let's get to our Hollywood report with Joanna Barba this morning. Good morning, Joanna. Oh, good morning. 